Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Mighty Holy Ghost and His gifts. This is part eight of the Mighty Holy Ghost, part two of the gifts of the Spirit. And we learned last week these are supernatural gifts that are available to every believer that desires them, and they are to continue to function in the church until Jesus returns. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians 12, 1, it says, now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. When he says brethren, he's talking about the sister in two. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. These are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually or personally as He wills and we know it's important that part where it says as he wills uh, because the gifts are ministered by the holy ghost through a believer as the holy ghost inspires or gives them direction it's as he wills a person does not possess these gifts you cannot possess a gift of the spirit they weren't given to you they were given to the holy ghost for the profit of the whole church and he uses each one of us. We can all be used in the gifts of the Spirit, but it's as he wills. And we've heard people say things like, I have the gift of this or this or that, or I have the gift of healings or the gifts of miracles, and I understand what they're saying by that, but they don't have that gift because they, if they did, they could operate it at will, as they will. But it's as the Spirit wills. He's the one that possesses a gift. He's the one that controls the functions and the ministries of the gifts. But here's, here's where we uh, come out winners. We have the Holy Ghost. We have the possessor of the gifts, the one who controls them all. He's inside of us. Amen? And so uh, uh, we just can't turn the gifts on and off as we will. Uh, the Holy Ghost controls them, but they're given to each one according as he wills, for the profit of all. So if he uses you in a gift, it's not just for you. Sometimes it can be. Sometimes you can get a personal use from it. You have a problem, he'll give you the word of wisdom, and it, it blesses you personally. But most of the time, especially in public ministry, in the church, for example, if he uses you and, and has a gift operate through you, the whole church should profit, profit from it. Amen? It would be a blessing to the whole church and uh, in other words if you need a word of knowledge or healing or a miracle or any one of these gifts I, I'm reviewing uh, reviewing a little bit from last week you don't have to run from meeting to me meeting trying to find a healing evangelist or an evangelist that operates in uh, miracles or faith or anything like that you have that minister inside of you he's called the Holy Ghost and you can call on him yourself. 
And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I mean, uh, Pastor Ed and myself and, and even Sister Ann, when Brother Hagen would come to Chicago one time, we went to meet him because we needed healing and we knew that he operated in that gift of healing. And nothing wrong with that. But don't elevate him to a place that only the Holy Ghost or God should have in your life. Amen? And, and incidentally, we all got healed too. Uh, Pastorette was slain in the spirit before this. Uh, when we started going to that little church in, in the country, she was slain in the spirit. We, uh, she wasn't unfamiliar with that. But I'm telling you, when Brother Hagen laid hands on her, she went out in the spirit. I thought she was in a coma. She laid there for the longest time. People were leaving, and we had to go get her. Or we were standing by her to make sure she was all right. Finally, we had to get her up. And I'm telling you, she was like somebody just come out of anesthesia. Her eyes were uh, bloodshot and, and uh, teary or watering, and she was, couldn't even speak. She was staggering. We had to physically carry her. So I know she was touched tremendously uh, through Brother Hagen. I don't want to say by Brother Hagen, but through Brother Hagen and his ministry. Uh, so, yes, there are evangelists and there are ministers that specialize in certain things. You know, they're used greatly. Brother Hagen was used greatly in the gifts of healings and uh, prophecy. He was used greatly in the gift of prophecy. Uh, and we're going to look at that today. But he held the office of a prophet, which is different than the gift of prophecy. So we'll see that here in a few minutes. Hallelujah. But each one of us can have all these gifts manifesting in our life as the Holy, as the Holy Ghost uh, wills and distributing them to each one as he wills. And I keep pounding that, but we've got to understand that it's as he wills. And uh, let me tell you something. If, if it's in line with the Word of God, he always wills. Amen. Uh, so we've been learning about the mighty Holy Ghost for quite a while now and we're learning about the gifts of the spirit now because we will never operate in them unless we know them and uh you know i train drivers and i train the trainers that would train drivers at ups for many years and we we were pretty uh strict on the training we had the, this uh concept of space and visibility training and had five seeing habits and under each seeing habit it had something uh, some detail about it and what it did for you and everything. Well, we required those driver trainers and the drivers to memorize them word for word, dot for dot, tittle for tittle. They had to get it exactly right or they did not pass the test. I don't know how strict they are nowadays. That's how it was when I was training them. And the reason we did that is because we knew if they didn't know them, they couldn't do them. You can't do something you don't know, right? And so we wanted to... Uh, we went with the concept that, you know, they're only going to retain like 60% of what we teach them. So we're going to teach them 100%, make them memorize it 100% so that they'll retain as much of it as they possibly can. And it's the same thing with the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. If we don't know how to function or operate with the Holy Ghost or function with the gifts or operate with the gifts, then we'll never use them. Now, uh... We believe in the gifts of the Spirit in this church. We don't have too many manifestations of them. And that's what we want to change. And that's one of the reasons we're going through this training, if you will. We need to know how the Holy Ghost functions, how the gifts operate, because I know that he wants to function and operate through us. But we have to have understanding so that we operate in them correctly. Amen? And so we're going to beat on some of these points until we get them. Uh, and again, you have to have a desire for them to function or they're not going to. The Holy Ghost is not going to force himself on any, of, any one of us. So uh, last week we started out by separating the gifts into three categories. And uh, they were the gifts of revelation or the gifts that re reveal something. There's three of those. The gift of inspiration, some, they're gifts that declare something or say something. And then the gifts of power, and uh, these are gifts that uh, do something dynamic in their working. 
And last week we looked at the gifts of revelation or the gifts that reveal something. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Those, all three of those reveal something to us. So that's why they're called the revelation gifts. Uh, quickly we'll go over them again. The word of wisdom. It's a supernatural revelation or divine answer or solution for a particular event or set of circumstances. The Holy Ghost will give you the word of wisdom to solve perplexing problems and situations. Then there was the word of knowledge. And the word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of knowledge. Now, remember, all these gifts are supernatural. It's important that we understand that they're supernatural. There's nothing natural about them. Uh, give you a supernatural revelation of knowledge or insight into something that you had no way of knowing by natural means. It's not, it's not something that you read about or somebody told you about or something that you seen on television. You had no way of knowing this. It just comes to you and you know it. Amen. Amen. And then there was the discerning of spirits, not the spirit of discernment. I still get them mixed up, but we have to understand it's the discerning of spirits. And this is a supernatural revelation or insight into the realm of spirits or the, into, into the realm of the spiritual world so that we can detect their presence and their plans. It's simply a gift that will make you aware of the presence or the activities of demon spirits. And that's very helpful sometimes because... We're dealing with things that we're trying to deal with in the natural, but it's not a natural thing at all. It's happening in the natural, but the cause of it is spiritual. And once we discern that and we take authority over that spirit and deal with it, get it out, render it helpless, then the natural thing seems to take care of itself. Amen. So this morning, we're going to look at the gifts of inspiration or the gifts that declare or say something. And I don't think we'll get much further than those, according to my notes anyway. But they would be prophecy, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Now, prophecy is a supernatural utterance in our native tongue, something we can understand. It's in our understanding. It's a miracle of divine utterance, not conceived by human thought or reasoning. And it includes speaking unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's the three characteristics of, pro of prophecy. Edification, it will edify somebody or build them up. It will exhort them and get them moving again in the things of God, and it will bring comfort to them or it will console them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 through 14, uh, all three of those chapters, the gift of prophecy is referred to a total of 22 times, just to give you an idea of its importance. And the first thing we have to do this morning is knock over a few sacred cows. Uh, the best way to learn what something is is by, first of all, learning what it is not. And the gift of prophecy is not foretelling the future. See, I made you mad already. It's not foretelling the future. The gift of prophecy in the New Testament is different than the office of a prophet who does foretell the future. And the New Testament prophecy is limited to the three things that we just mentioned, edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's what the gift of prophecy brings to the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4, it tells us that when Christ ascended into heaven, he gave gifts unto men. Some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, these are ministry offices. It's not talking about the individual. It's talking about the office of an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor or a teacher. I'm a pastor, but I stand in the pastor's office, the office of a pastor. Um, Brother Hagen stood in the office of a prophet. And he would predict the future. And he had on several occasions. And his prophecies are still coming to pass. Uh, so this is talking about the office of a prophet in Ephesians 4, which is different than the gift of prophecy because the prophetic office does predict the future where the gift of prophecy never predicts the future. 
So the gift of prophecy is not to be used for guidance. Somebody won't use the gift of prophecy to guide you somewhere or tell you what your next move is. You know, thus saith the Lord, move to California and run for governor. You better know you heard from God before you do something like that. But the gift of prophecy doesn't do that. Uh, it's not used for guidance. It will never give you direction for your life. And the gift of prophecy is not preaching either. Some people think the gift of prophecy is preaching, but the gift can, be, can come out in preaching, and people can be edified, exhorted, and comforted through preaching, but it's not necessarily the gift of prophecy that's operating uh, because preaching comes from the natural mind where prophecy is the mind of God speaking to us through a divine utterance. Uh, if it was a divine utterance for me, and it could, I could be led by the Spirit, I could be used by the Spirit, I could say things that the Spirit is telling me to say, like this morning I didn't have any notes. Uh, I was just going by what the Spirit showed me and was telling me what to say. But most of the time, maybe 90% of the time, I have to study for my sermons. They come, they come through hard work and study. It, it don't come naturally to me, you know, or divinely to me. And that's the way that it's meant to be. And I'm not saying that the Holy Ghost doesn't use preachers, but anything that's coming out of a preacher, whether he has notes or not, uh, he studied for. You know, the Holy Ghost brings all things to our remembrance. If I have no memory of it because I never put it in there, he can't bring it out. He can't bring out something that isn't there. But, uh, you know, I study in the natural, and then I try to preach in the supernatural or try to preach with my ear open to the Holy Ghost so I can say what he's saying and interpreting things the way he's saying it. Now, I might st uh, study and, and meditate on points A, B, and C, but then the Holy Ghost would give me sub point one and one A and two and two B and stuff like that. And so you have to study. You have to put something in if you want the Holy Ghost to bring it out with an anointing. And, you know, uh, uh, my preaching or my studying and writing of notes is natural, but the Holy Ghost will make it supernatural. He'll put an anointing on it, and that changes it. Amen? Because when I write it down, it's a dead letter on a dead page, but he can bring life to it. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, another thing that the gift of prophecy is not is it's not rebuke or correction. Because that's no part of edification, exhortation, or comfort. It is never rebuke, and it is never uh, correction. Now, a prophet can bring rebuke and bring correction, but that is not the gift of uh, prophecy working. In the New Testament, when we need to be rebuked or corrected, that will come through the Word of God and preaching, or you could read the Word of God for yourself and get reproved or rebuked or, or corrected. Uh, and it comes with uh, teaching and doctrine. We have doctrines for that. Uh, you know, the doctrine of the Holy Ghost will correct you on some things. Amen? Uh, the doctrine of baptism will show us some things and correct us. There's all kinds of doctrines that we have and the Word of God itself to correct us, whether it comes through preaching or reading it ourselves or just hearing it in a, on the radio, God will get it to you somehow. If you need to be corrected, God will get it to you, and it will always be through the Word. Amen? You might not always receive it, but it'll be there. But uh, let's look at the three purposes we've been talking about in the gift of prophecy, edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification actually means to build up. Uh, it's like charging a battery. You know, if a battery is down, it won't turn the car over. But if you put it on a charger and build it back up, it'll energize itself to the place where it can turn that car over again. So you're really not just building it up. You're edifying that battery. You're building it up. And sometimes we need that. All the time we need that. We need to be charged up. We need to be edified. And it's designed to build up the church of Jesus Christ. So if a man is weak or a woman is weak, this gift will build you up and make you strong. Uh, if you're in fear, this gift will edify you and take fear away from you. That's what it's designed to do. Uh, the gift of prophecy in its root meaning signifies to erect, straighten you up, get you standing straight, 
to strengthen and to build up. If it doesn't do that, then it is not the gift of prophecy that was operating. And this is why the gifts of inspiration were given to the church by the Holy Ghost. That's edification. Exhortation means uh, a call to encouragement. That's what exhortation does. When I'm exhorting you, I'm uh, calling you to, to encouragement or trying to put courage into you. That's what it literally means. Encouragement means to literally put courage into something. And uh, if it doesn't do that, then it's not the gift of prophecy. The word discourage means to take courage out. So God encourages, the devil discourages. God puts courage in, the devil tries to take it out. And so uh, exhortation in the church will put back into you courage that the devil took out. Amen? It'll get rid of fear. And uh, it will get us back on track again. A word of exhortation could be something like this. Don't give up. Don't stop moving forward. God said he will raise up a standard against the enemy and he will get you through this and you will become victorious and an overcomer. That's a that's a word of exhortation. I just exhorted you. Why? To get you back on track, to to re-encourage you, to get you moving again, to give you some confidence, build you back up again. Now, here's the thing about comfort. It also means uh, the root word for it in the Greek is called consolation. It changes it a little bit because consolation brings healing of distress, healing of sorrow, and healing of persecution in the body of Christ. And uh, we all need that in our bodies. We all need that in our souls and spirits. And it also heals suffering. Now, I don't have to tell you this, but we live in a world of broken things. Broken lives, broken dreams, broken ambitions, broken hearts. And all man can do is feel sorry for somebody and pity them. But they don't need pity. They need comfort. They need consolation. They need healing. And only the Holy Ghost can bring that type of comfort to, to the body of Christ. That's why, I, I mean, there's comfort and then there's supernatural comfort. Comfort doesn't change anything. Comfort is just feeling sorry for somebody, patting them on the back and hugging them and trying to encourage them. But the comfort of the Holy Ghost, supernatural comfort, actually heals you from those things. Amen? Amen? And that's why it's a supernatural gift. But uh, I, I know you don't want to believe this about people that come to church, but they're hurt, they're broken, they're dejected, they're depressed. And they need help. A lot of people, not everybody, a lot of people need help. Don't let that smile fool you. Don't let that praise the Lord fool you. Uh, don't let that little dancer jig fool you. A lot of them are dancing on the outside, but they're dying on the inside. We can't tell that in the natural, but the Holy Ghost knows it. And he's supernatural. And he can supernaturally do something about it. He can bring you consolation. I can't do that. I could do it if he uses me and he can bring it through me. But in, that, in the natural, I can't do that. That's why these gifts have got to be supernatural. So the church needs the Holy Ghost to heal brokenness and bring comfort, consolation. And the Holy Ghost wants to bring people comfort and healing for their souls. He wants to do that. But... Sometimes he has to move through a vessel, and he'll bring it to somebody through you. Amen? He could give you a word of knowledge about that person, and that word could change their life. That word could comfort them. That word could heal the brokenness inside of them, whatever it is. And that's why we have to be open to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we have to desire that uh, he can use us and move through us, because there's no telling what uh, he could do through us. Because there's people that you meet that need ministering to and need healing that I will never meet. So it's not just to me, it's to each one. Because you all have your own little mission field. You all have your own little world. Amen? Uh, but he can heal bad memories. He can heal depression. He can heal any brokenness that's in a person. We can't do that. But he can do it through us. Hallelujah.
So we can let the Holy Ghost work this gift through us uh, and we can bring comfort to somebody with a simple handshake. You know, a handshake is a handshake unless it's anointed by the Holy Ghost. And that handshake can bring healing. A hug is a hug unless it's an anointed hug by the Holy Ghost. And that hug can bring healing. You know, uh, a word of encouragement is just that unless the Holy Ghost anoints it, then it will make changes in people. So that's why it's so important that uh, we understand the gifts of the Spirit, how they operate, and we understand that He wants to operate through us. Little old me. Yeah, little old you. Amen. I know sometimes, you know, we just don't have the confidence it takes. Uh, we're shy. We're bashful. We, uh, you know, well, you know, I, I, I love God and everything. I'll do anything I can, but I can't witness. You know, I just, I just ain't bold enough to, to talk to anybody about the Lord. I just, I can't do that. Well, maybe you can't, but you can with the Holy Ghost. He'll do it through you. Amen. Like when he said, the Holy Ghost will take the chicken right out of you. But God wants all three ministries of the gift of prophecy to function in the church. And, and it should function every time we come together. Prophecy should function. It doesn't have to be, thus saith the Lord. Straighten up or you're going to hell. You know, that don't bring edification, exhortation, or comfort. That is not the gift of prophecy. Now, you might have a prophet stand up in the office of a prophet and tell you that. And you better pay attention to it. Amen. But it's not the gift of prophecy. And uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 31, For you may all prophesy one by one that all may learn. Every one of us can prophesy. But he just wants it one by one. He don't want us all prophesying at the same time. And he says, for you may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted or consoled. That's that word comfort again. God wants us all to be an instrument that he can use to edify, exhort and comfort his people. I, I mean, uh, in Ephesians it tells us, let no corrupt communication proceed forth out of your mouth, except that which is good to the use of what? Edifying. That it may minister, what? Grace to the hearers. Things that come out of our mouth, if they don't edify and build up, they shouldn't come out of our mouth. Amen. Hallelujah. God wants to use us to edify his people and exhort his people and comfort his people. Next one we're going to look at is the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues. Some Translations say diverse tongues. It just means different tongues. And the gift of tongues is the supernatural utterance in other languages that are not known to the speaker, not known to the one who is uttering them. The gift of tongues is a sign gift from God for public ministry or ministry in the church to the congregation. And there's a difference between the gift of tongues and our prayer language that we received on our day of Pentecost when we were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with uh, tongues as the Spirit gave us utterance. They're different. They're two different languages. And uh, the gift of tongues is God speaking to man through a divine utterance. We're praying in our prayer language or tongues in our prayer language is man speaking to God by, through his spirit by the Holy Spirit. So that's the difference. One is God speaking to man. The other one is man speaking to God. But they're both by divine utterance. Amen? When, you know, when uh, my tongues isn't supernatural, but the gift of tongues is supernatural because it's operated through a divine utterance from a supernatural God, the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so uh, we're going to cover this in another session. And I promise you that we will have when we're done, you will have a thorough understanding of both. And you'll know which one to use when. And you'll be able to tell which one is being used at the time it's being used. Uh, 
In 1 Corinthians 14, 27 and 28. Now, I'll tell you what I've been doing, and you can do the same thing I'm doing. Uh, read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And when you get to the end of chapter 14, go back to chapter 12 and read it again and go through all three chapters again. That's exactly what I've been doing. And uh, I've been just familiarizing myself and meditating on the things of uh, the gifts of the Spirit because it tells mostly everything you need to know in those three chapters. But 1 Corinthians 14, 27 and 28 says, If any man speak in an unknown tongue... Let it be by two, or at the most by three, that by course, and let one interpret. In other words, uh, no more than three tongues in a surface. And they have to be individually, one at a time, not all three at the same time talking. And I'm going to show you the reason that Paul said that in a few minutes. Uh, and then he says, it must be interpreted. He says, but if there be no interpreter... Let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So there's both tongues there. There's the public tongues, the gift of tongues, and then there's your private prayer language. And uh, in other words, if somebody stands up and gives a message in tongues and we wait quietly for the interpretation and nobody stands up and interprets it, then that means nobody else can give a tongue. That's, there's no interpreter in the, in the group, so nobody else can speak in tongues. Because without an interpreter, it doesn't mean anything to anybody. And he said, if that's the case, then you pray to yourself and to God. That's when you turn to your prayer language and you just pray to God. But he also teaches us that we should always pray for the interpretation. So when you give a tongue and nobody else speaks up and interprets it, you can interpret your own tongue. Amen? But again, if nobody interprets it, then we keep quiet. We don't have any more tongues in that service. Not the gift of tongues with interpretation. So God is clarifying right here the difference between the gift of tongues and our prayer language. Now what the believers in the Corinthian church were doing, and this is what Paul was addressing, is they were coming to church and they were all speaking in tongues to each other. And then the minister would get up or an elder would get up and he was speaking tongues to the congregation. And nobody knew what anybody was saying. And Paul's saying, that's wrong. Let me show you how it works. And again, that was in the very first letter to the Corinthians, uh, which Paul taught. And then the second letter is where he was explaining the things that they didn't understand in the first letter. So uh, if you look at... Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, in the New Living Translation, you'll see mention of a first letter, and it wasn't 1 Corinthians 1. So anyway, that created a problem when an unbeliever or somebody that was unlearned came into the church, and everybody's praying in tongues, and the preacher is preaching in tongues. And that created a problem to somebody that didn't understand tongues, was unlearned in tongues, or he was an unbeliever. He was not a churchgoer. What is that person going to do? He said, I got to go to a church where they speak English. I don't know what they're saying. And uh, I went to Catholic church from a little bitty fellow all the way on up. And when I first started going for years, the masses were all done in Latin. I had no clue of what was going on. And unless somebody knew how to speak and understand Latin, nobody else knew what was going on either. But there we were, sitting in that religious environment, listening to somebody speaking in tongues, you might as well say, because I didn't understand, nobody understand. It didn't edify me, didn't build me up, it didn't exhort me, it didn't comfort me. I left there the same way I walked in. Lost. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then... I don't know when, how old I was when they started speaking English. And then instruments weren't allowed in the church, only that organ. And when I heard that organ playing, I thought of, you probably don't know who this is, but Bella Lugosi movies, you know, the vampires and the werewolves and stuff like that. So it didn't mean nothing. I was getting nothing out of church. Amen? And I don't think anybody <laughs> else was either. But anyway, hallelujah. But, you know, this was creating a problem amongst unbelievers and the unlearned. 
And uh, they weren't getting anything out of the service, just like I wasn't. And the Apostle Paul said that God is not the author of confusion, but that he does everything decently and in order. That was a ball of confusion, so God wasn't in it. And uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 23 through 25 says, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, which they were doing, and all speak with tongues... And there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? I mean, that's what I thought. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. Why? Because he understood what was being said. It was in his native tongue. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Why? Because he understood it. It convicted him. But somebody speaking in tongues that he don't understand, he's like, he just didn't know. He thought they were crazy. And Paul said earlier in the chapter, chapter 14, that when you're in a meeting or a church service and there's unbelievers or unlearned people, he would rather you speak five words in a known tongue or a known language than 10,000 words in tongues. Why? Because they don't understand one of those words that was spoken in tongues. But they can get something out of the five words that were spoken in their natural tongue. So he says it's better to prophesy in their natural tongue because otherwise they can't hear or understand what was said. And he said in... 1 Corinthians 14, 8, For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who's going to prepare for the battle? See, Israel used trumpets for everything, especially in their armies. You know, we used bugles. When you heard uh, uh, the, the sound for a charge, you knew it was time to get up and charge. But if you heard something like twinkle, twinkle, little star, you didn't know what to do. So how are you going to know what to do if you don't understand what's being said? So now here's where we knock over another sacred cow. If you're in a church service and there are among you unbelievers or the unlearned, then you are not supposed to speak in tongues at all. And this is one of the Holy Ghost guidelines for public service. Now I know that rubs a lot of Pentecostals wrong. And well, bless God, that's our, that's our religion or whatever. That's what we're here for. We're Pentecostals. We speak in tongues. If they can't understand that, they'll, they can just leave. Well, that's what they're going to do. And who did you help? How did you help anybody by doing that? And so if uh, we speak in, this, in tongues in this church a lot, we pray in tongues, uh, we worship in tongues sometimes. And once in a while, we'll have tongues and interpretation. But for the most part, we're all learned in the, in the subject. And uh, we're all filled with the Spirit for the most part. And uh, uh, we understand tongues. We're all believers here. We're believers not only in Christ, but in the gifts of the Spirit and tongues. So it's appropriate. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we had a family come in here, we didn't know them. We didn't know if this is their first time in church. And we didn't know if they believed in the gifts of the Spirit or speaking in tongues. Then we don't speak in tongues. Amen. I didn't say it, the Holy Ghost did. Remember 1 Corinthians 14, 23? Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? And I'm going to add this, and leave. Or they might stay through the service, but they won't come back. And I'm convinced that there's a lot of times that we did that exact thing because I watch people's faces sometimes that were visiting and their ears perked up when they heard somebody speaking in tongues and they were polite and they stayed, but they never came back. And I, I really believe that was, if not the main reason, at least one of them that they didn't come back. The other one would have been bad preaching, but I, I say it was because we spoke in tongues. <laughs> But the gift of tongues and interpretation is indicative of this dispensation only, the church age. We didn't have tongues and interpretation before Jesus was raised from, or before the day of Pentecost. And they will cease one day, but only when that which is perfect has come. 
you know, now we see in the glass darkly, but then we will see even as we are face to face. When that day comes, there'll be no need of tongues and interpretation anymore. We won't have to have a tongue and interpretation because he'll be here. We could ask him. Amen. Hallelujah. But speaking in tongues began on the day of Pentecost. And no matter what people say about it, it's been done away with or it ceased. Uh, it's still here and it will be here till Jesus comes. It, it was associated with the church in its inception and when the church was born. And it will stay with the church until the church is caught up and taken away. All right, number uh, th or the third gift of inspiration, the interpretation of tongues. And uh, that's understanding and expressing the thought or the intent of the message that was spoken in tongues. It is expressing the thought or the intent of the mind of God, because that's where it's coming from. And uh, through the person that's speaking. So someone gives a message in tongues and through the gift of interpretation, you can understand by inspiration of the Holy Ghost what God was saying through that message in tongues. It's an interpretation. It is not a translation. It's a supernatural ability to interpret, not translate into the native tongue what is uttered in other languages not known by the one who interprets uh, by the Spirit. Now, I, I don't want to throw too much at you or confuse you, but there's, there's unknown tongues and known tongues. If I speak in Italian, that's a known tongue. It's known to me, uh, but it might not be known to you, but it's a known tongue. And somebody could uh, interpret that that doesn't know Italian. That would be tongues and interpretation of a known tongue. Uh, there's examples in, in, in a lot of books that I read and, and preachers that uh, witness about this where they had a guy stand up and give a message in tongues. And then after the service, a guy would walk up and say, so-and-so spoke to me in Russian. And he said, well, that couldn't be because he don't know Russian, you know. My husband never spoke Russian in his life. Well, he spoke to me in Russian, and he told me such and such, and that's why I'm here today. So he didn't know the language, although it was unknown to him. It was a known language that he spoke in, and that message was particularly for that one guy in the a congregation that understood Russian. And that's how God got through to him, made a believer out of him. Amen? And then there's the... Uh, unknown tongues and interpretation and that's an inspired tongue from heaven and then the inspiration has to come uh, or the in, uh, interpretation has to come by divine utterance divine guidance and uh, you don't understand it word for word you just get a thought about the the thought of the of God that is is uttering it and the intent of God's, uh, what God want, intends through that message, not word for word. And, and I'll show you the difference here in a minute. But it's the supernatural ability to interpret, not translate, in the native tongue, which is uh, what is uttered in other languages, not known by the one who interprets by the Spirit. So that gets them both. It doesn't matter if it's a known language like Italian. The person that uttered it didn't know Italian. Uh, or if it's neither one, it's just uh, tongues then uh, nobody could understand that except it be interpreted. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.5 says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Now, I want you to understand who just said that. I know you. if I asked you, you would say Paul said it. And uh, Paul did pen it, but he's not the one who said it. The Holy Ghost said, I wish that you all speak in tongues. And Paul penned it. And even if it was Paul that said it, he's the greatest apostle that ever lived. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, or two-thirds of the epistles. And uh, he had more revelation. He had so much revelation that God had to allow a spirit uh, of Satan to buffet him. To keep him from getting the big head. So he's the greatest apostle that ever lived. The most revelated apostle that ever lived. So if he said it, 
It's okay with me too. But it's even more okay with me because I know the Holy Ghost said it. And, and uh, he said, I wish you all spoke with tongues. And uh, so let's read it like that. I, the mighty Holy Ghost, wish that you all spoke with tongues. Changes it a little bit, doesn't it? He also said in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, to edify, exhort, and comfort, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. And did you know that any church that forbids the speaking of tongues, and there are thousands of them that forbid it, they are in direct defiance or at least in grave disobedience to the Holy Ghost. He says, do not forbid to speak in tongues. Why? Because there's a benefit in speaking in tongues that we can't even imagine yet. We're going to imagine it when we're, when we're done. Not today, but when we're done with this series, you're going to have an understanding of it and the dynamics of it and how powerful it is and the purpose that it serves. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 5 again. I, the mighty Holy Ghost, wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. So the, the guy who prophesies is greater. Unless, it says unless, indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. If I prophesied right now that God loves you and he's got your back, you could be edified. The whole church could be edified by that because I prophesied it. In our known language. But if I said. Nobody knows what I said. So prophecy is greater than that. But he said unless. It's, in, it's interpreted. God loves you. And he's got your back. Now it edifies the whole church. And it's equal with prophecy. So prophecy is only greater because you can understand it, and it will edify, exhort, and comfort. Uh, unless it's interpreted, then it's no longer greater than tongues and interpretation. Now they're equal. Amen? So that's what it means by it's, it's greater. So he puts interpretation of tongues on the same level as prophecy, as long as it's interpreted. And uh, there's something else we have to understand, and that is the gift is called the gift of tongues and interpretation. It does not say the gift of tongues and translation. Big difference. Have you ever heard a short tongue and a long interpretation? Or a long tongue and a short interpretation? Some people will discount that and say that couldn't have been tongues and interpretation because they weren't, they weren't equal. You know, he said five words and he said a hundred words. But it's very, it's very accurate because interpretation, he, the person that interpreted is expressing the mind, the thoughts, and the intents of God's heart. And uh, so that could take longer to explain. Where if it was a word-for-word -word translation, God says five words, you say five, maybe six or seven, depending on the language. And that's it, because you're translating word for word. The Bible is a translation. It is inspired by God word for word for what he said. If it's in the Bible, God said it. It was translated into this book word for word so that we would have an accurate translation of it. Now, uh, let's say Queenie just come running in here from the parking lot. And he's in a panic, and he says, somebody's out there with a bomb. And they said, they said something. Do you want an interpretation? Do you want to know what Queenie thinks that they were thinking? Or do you want a translation so you know what to do? You want a translation. That's the difference between interpretation and translation. Uh, when tongues are spoken and they're interpreted, the interpreter is just giving you the thoughts, the intents of, of God's mind uh, that was given through the tongues. It's not an interpretation. It's not a translation. Amen? So those are the gifts of inspiration or the gifts that declare or say something. And I'm out of time here, so 
But wouldn't it be wonderful to go through life with these gifts operating, not only in the church, but operating in your personal life, where you could get the word of wisdom when you need it, uh, the working of a miracle. And I'm going to tell you something about miracles. They happen more often than you think they do. We just don't recognize them. I mean, you know, you, you're getting up and getting ready to go to church this morning. You say, I think I'll go a different way this morning. You may not have ever realized it or ever found out, but there was a terrible accident in the direction you were going at about the time you would have been there. You don't know these things. That was a miracle. You got inspired by God. You got maybe a word of wisdom. Go this way, not that way. And you, and you experienced a miracle without even knowing it. There's all kinds of examples like that. All kinds of things happen to us that we don't recognize. And it's only because we're not looking for them. You know, it's just a coincidence that we went the other way. And sometimes we even find out that there was a 12-car pileup at the intersection. And I would have been real close to there, if not there. And we just, coincidence. Boy, thank God I went the other way. Yeah, yeah really, thank God you, you went the other way. Amen. But anyway, wouldn't it be wonderful to experience these things on a regular basis? You know, when you have a perplexing problem or you're involved in a circumstance and you don't know what to do, and all of a sudden you get the word of wisdom, and now you know exactly what to do. See, a lot of times we have the word of knowledge. We can see something. We can understand something, but we don't know how to fix it. And that's the difference between the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. A word of knowledge will make you aware of something that's wrong, the word of wisdom will tell you how to fix it. Amen? But wouldn't it be nice to have that working in our life? How about if we're trying to minister to a family, a family member or a friend or a co-worker, and the Holy Ghost gives you the word of knowledge like they, he gave to Jesus at the well with that woman that could change their life. Wouldn't that be nice? Something you didn't know, had no way of knowing, but you just bring it out and... and Tell them about it, and the next thing you know, their life has changed. Why? Because it was supernatural. What if you're under attack and going through something and can't understand why God gives you a peek into the spiritual realm? Uh, but all of a sudden, he gives you a, speak in, a peek into the spiritual realm, and you can see an harassing spirit that's behind the whole problem, that's causing the whole problem, because our, our fight isn't with flesh and blood. It's, it's with spiritual spiritual places in high, uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. And, and once we realize that, take authority over that spirit, like I said, all of a sudden the thing that's happening in the natural takes care of itself. Why? You got rid of that harassing spirit. Amen? You took authority over it and cast it out. What if you're feeling dejected, defeated, and even depressed? Wouldn't it be great for God to prophesy something to you through the gift of prophecy that uh, edifies, exhorts, and comforts you in that area, and you walk away in a renewed and strengthened spirit, a refreshed spirit. These things could happen to us every day. So thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we not only want them operating in this church, we want them operating in your life. They're not exclusively for the church. They are for the believer. And if you're believing out there, they'll work out there. Amen. And some of them are for the unbeliever because it will make a believer out of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like I said, we don't have time today, but next week we'll look at the gift of faith, the gift of healings, and the working of miracles. These are called the power gifts or the dynamic gifts because they're dynamic and they're working. And it comes from the word dunamis, which is, means dynamite. That's where we get our word dynamite. So these are explosive gifts. That's why I saved them for last. They're not necessarily in the order that 1 Corinthians 12 lists them, but I saved them for last because that's what I want to wrap up on. And then we're going to do a study on uh, tongues, our prayer language. And we're going to see the benefits of it, why we should pray in tongues, why we should be filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, what it does for us as a believer. Uh, number one, Paul said, if you pray to yourself and to God, you edify or build up yourself. And so if Paul, if the great apostle Paul is the one who said, I wish you all spoke in tongues, he did say I speak in tongues more than you all. 
Maybe that's why he was the greatest apostle that ever lived. He knew how to build himself up. He knew how to edify himself. Now, David didn't have tongues uh, or prayer language or uh, tongues and interpretation. He, the other gifts you could see operating through these uh, great men and women of God in the Old Testament, but not tongues and interpretation. But he knew how to encourage himself in the Lord. He had to encourage himself. He had to put courage into himself at times. He knew how to do that. Well, we need to do that too, but we can also speak in other tongues and edify and build ourselves up, build our spirit up. Jude says praying uh, in the Holy Ghost. Uh, he says it, it builds you up, it edifies you. And so that's just one of the benefits of praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Hallelujah. We're going to quit right here. Pick up here next week. Finish up on the nine gifts. And like I said, we're going to go into tongues and the purpose of tongues. I've been reading several books and been listening to messages on it by some of the generals of the faith. And uh, Lester Summerall has a book about the Holy Ghost and his gifts or the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, I've been reading Brother Hagin's book, Tongues Beyond the Upper Room. I told you about that. That's a tough book. It's, you know, I, I, I like reading books. It's got big words and few pages this one got tiny words i have to wear my glasses for this one and it's still got like 360 pages in it so i've been reading that and i've been reading that for maybe three months but i mean i could sit down and read it in one night but i wouldn't know anything i read but when you take a long time to read something that means that you stop and you meditate on something or you go back and say oh now i see what that meant by what he said here and 10 pages later or something and it's just kind of slow methodical reading and that's the type of reading I've been doing with that and the same thing with Lester Summerall's book and uh, both great men of faith and men of God and uh, Lester, Lester, Summerall, uh, Lester Summerall has a few uh, revelations that Papa Hagen didn't have and Papa Hagen had a few that he didn't have you know and Charles Capps has a few that none of them had. And this one, you know, so uh, you try to read as many as you can and uh, become as well-versed on the subject as you can. But uh, I've learned a lot of things since I've been doing this study that I didn't know before. And, and one of them was about if there's unbelievers or unlearned in the church, you don't, you don't speak in tongues. I didn't know that before. Maybe you did, but I didn't. And so I learned that much. I learned a lot of things about it. But, and the things I learned, I'm going to try to pass on to you. And just like me, you do what you want with them. Amen? If, uh, if I give you a gift, that's yours to do whatever you want with it. You can use it. You can sell it. You can throw it under, on the ground and step on it. You can put it in the garbage. It's yours to do whatever you want with it. And that's the way it is with the gifts of the Spirit. You can do what you want with them. You can let them sit dormant, or you can use them. You can learn how to operate with the gifts of the Spirit, learn how to operate in the Holy Ghost. And, and I know if we approach these things with our natural mind, they'll never appear to be supernatural to us. But we have to look at them the way that God presents them, not according to our experiences or what we heard about them, or what we've seen in other places or even in this church. You know, it doesn't make any difference what your experience is or what you've seen. If it's different from the Word of God, it's wrong, period. Amen? So we have to approach these things from God's perspective. We need to know what God's thoughts, what God's mind is on this subject and what He wants us to know about them. And uh, the areas that we have trouble with, that's where faith comes in. Sometimes we don't understand everything, but that doesn't mean it's not right. It doesn't mean it isn't true. It just means that you don't understand it. Amen? God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, we pray for your revelation to enter our hard heads and get into our spirits, God, uh, concerning the gifts of the Spirit, because we desire them in this church. We want them to operate in this church, and we want them to operate and function through us on a regular basis. 
We thank you and praise you that you provided them for us through the Holy Ghost. They're here for a reason, and they're here for a purpose, and we want to fulfill that purpose and understand the reason in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.